Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention, I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to the airport, it all started again last night. Heathrow Airport was shut down for around an hour at five o'clock yesterday because, guess what? Someone spotted another drone. Once again, we don't know whether it was true or why it was deemed safe to reopen one of the runways once again. Is this going to go on all year? Are we going to have to put up with this for the rest of time? For heaven's sake, only yesterday we were telling you all uh, how both Heathrow and Gatwick were supposedly now drone-proof because they were going to get all sorts of defensive mechanisms put in place. Well, wouldn't you just know it that as soon as we start saying that, we have to shut down the airport once again. Uh, We'll be looking into that and finding out what on earth happened yesterday and why uh, it was allowed to happen. Meanwhile, back in the surreal world of Westminster, the government lost yet another vote last night thanks to the rebellious twisting and turning of 20 Tory MPs who sided with a Labour motion to stop a no-Brexit deal. The problem is what they did was less than symbolic and won't have any effect on how we leave the EU on March the 29th. However, what is the point of being a part of the government if you aren't going to support it? What is the point of being in the Tory party if you're going to actively undermine it? And what is the point of having a referendum where the public decide policy only to ignore that policy and treat the public with contempt? These are the people, by the way, who voted you in. Those 20 MPs, and I'm going to name them all and shame them all this morning, ought to be ashamed of themselves. And the Tory party ought to kick them out. Let them all stand in a by-election and let us decide who we want to keep and who we want to sack. You know it makes sense. 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be finding out what the new smart motorways are all about uh, and whether the speed cameras on them uh, are going to be treating us all slightly differently. We're also going to find out why some overambitious parents are actually harming their own children's chances of a decent education. And James Whale will be joining us as well and with an appreciation of bald heads, of which, of course, he is one. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The end. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it's always a good time to read a roll call of shame, and I like nothing more than to start my Wednesday mornings with a roll call of shame. And let's have it. Heidi Allen, Guto Beb, Richard Benyon, Nick Bowles, Mr. Kenneth Clark, Mr. Jonathan Jangley, uh, Mr. Sir Michael Fallon, George Freeman, Justin Greening, Mr. Dominic Grieve, Mr. Sam Yima, uh, Dr. Philip Lee, Sir Oliver Letwin, Nicky Morgan, Robert Neal, Antoinette Sandbach, Sir 
Sir Nicholas Soames, Anna Soubry, Mr Edward Vasey, Dr Sarah Wollaston. All of them supposedly Tory MPs. All of them rebelled last night, sided with the opposition, sided with a Labour motion to try and cripple the government's ability to leave the European Union with no deal. They have no business doing it. They have no mandate for it. And I'm saying right now that these 20 Conservative MPs are a disgrace to the Tory party and they should be kicked out forthwith. If I was Theresa May, I would be telling my people in Downing Street, I don't care about the numbers in Parliament. I don't care about the people that we need to vote with us to make sure that we leave the European Union with my deal. I don't give a stuff. I want these people out and I want them out now. And I'd face uh, the, the, the music and make them stand in a by-election and see whether any of their constituents actually want to keep them as MPs. I want to hear from you on this. 0344 499 1000. This is, of course, the Independent Republican Mike Graham. We brook no rebellions here, I can tell you. Let's talk to Katie Perry and find out what she makes of it all. Katie, very good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Now, I'm pretty wound up about these characters, these 20 Tory MPs. What is the point of being the Tory party if they're just going to rebel against it? I think you're getting knickers in a twist a bit this morning, really? Mike. I've got to say, because you rolled, you read out a list of 20 MPs, they tend to be some of my favourite people in Parliament because they well, tend not, to I'm be quite... I'm not interested quite, in a popularity they, contest. They tend to be quite reasonable. They tend to be quite middle of the road. And they are obviously petrified of a no-deal scenario. Why? And because they, you know, they're parliamentarians. They're closer to it than we are. They're seeing, day in, day out, the kind of reports back, what's going on exactly. We, you know, Mike, we can't even organise a fake... Um, car park full of lorries. We didn't even get that right as a country. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we you didn't. Know, we actually, are, no, we excuse are me. I take underprepared no, I take for a no, no deal. I take no blame for that, right? That was Chris Grayling, <laughs> failing Grayling, who couldn't organise a party at a brewery, as we would like to say, if we could say it. And now, that's nothing to do with me. You know, I'm not taking responsibility that as a country we couldn't organise I never it. said you should. No, but you said as a country we couldn't organise a traffic jam. Fact, the fact is, that's the, that's the Tory party's, you know, transport secretary that can't organise a traffic jam. He's no use. And you could kick him out as well, for all I know. But what I'm saying is, is that 20 rebels have caused a problem. Luckily, not much of a problem, because they're too stupid to actually realise that, that the, uh, the Yvette Cooper amendment actually won't have any effect whatsoever. But they've shown themselves to be uh, traitorous. They've shown themselves to be uh, willing to betray their own party in order to make some meaningless point. Well, it's not something I would have gone for because I want to give us the freest hand possible to threaten the EU with uh, you know, getting to the table and doing a deal. So I would not have uh, limited tax raising powers because I would have allowed the Chancellor to say, well, you know what, if I want to be the Singapore, I'll be the Singapore mm. of, of the EU and we'll, rate, we'll lower our taxes or we might have to raise them because we're not getting the kind of money that we thought we would. I think that flexibility needs to remain with the government rather than backbench MPs. However, I don't think that they deserve the kind of victory that they're getting from some quarters because they are, on the whole, quite reasonable people who are very worried about the situation we're going to. Look, there's no mandate for anything in Parliament. There's no mandate for a second referendum. There's no mandate to you know, uh, remain uh, as we are because people want to honour that, that Brexit vote. There's no mandate for a no deal. So we're at stalemate in Parliament. We are absolutely stalemate. And, 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 and every week that goes said. past... Listen to what you've just said, Casey. It is because of the way that the parliamentarians are behaving that we have a stalemate. We don't have a stalemate in the country, we have a 52 to 48 percent win on the basis that we want to leave the European Union. But there are the 50 part... different ways no, in which you matter. can leave the doesn't European ma- Union, Well, it doesn't matter. There could be 100 
different ways. That's not the point. The point is, we voted to leave. These bozos should do their job and carry out the will of the people. It's not for them to question it. It's not for them to go, oh, but we don't like that. Uh, they are working for us. They are paid by us. They should do their jobs. But they are questioning exactly how we leave the European Union because we can leave it in a harsh manner and we can say, you know, stick your money. We're not yeah. going to participate in anything, but we, you know, we may we may suffer greatly from that. Or we can leave it in a softer way, which is let's try and like you know keep keep going with the investment and the jobs here uh, and all the other things. So. You know, there are lots of different ways to lead the European well, Union. And that's what's that's what's kind of troubling them. Not, I actually think that there is a majority in Parliament to deliver that vote and the referendum. I genuinely think that. I think from the Labour benches and the Conservative benches, I think together there is a there is a chunky majority to actually deliver Brexit. But we are in danger of two things: either not delivering Brexit because. We will get to that March deadline and we won't have agreed on anything and we'll have to ask for an extension, which will be horrific. Or we well, will... Well, I mean, that may well be, but the bottom line out. surely... But the bottom line surely, Katie, is that in the end, if they really care about the country and they really want to do what the people have ordered them to do and they really want to get behind their leader and their government and they really want to do the job honestly and properly, then they should be supporting the Prime Minister's plan. They should not be rebelling against it, surely. And many of those people that voted yesterday will be supporting the Prime Minister's plan. Not all of them, but some of them will be. Um, and of course, you know, with every with every moving day in Parliament, there is a different plan. There's a Norway plan. There is a second referendum plan. All of these things are still on the table. I think the next few months will be extremely you know, volatile in British politics. And we really don't know where we're heading. Are we heading towards... You know, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't seem to be very keen on a second referendum at all. So we might be heading for possibility of a general election with a second referend referendum at the back of it uh, with an extension you know we could end up re-electing MEPs to the European Parliament in May this year Heaven forbid. when we were meant to be leaving I don't even know who my, I don't even know who my MEP is I mean some of these Remainers who go banging on about how brilliant the European Union has been for us right they don't even know who their MEPs are they probably never ever voted for one and they wouldn't know where to find him uh, if in fact they did know who it was or her but the, yeah the point is absolutely on, on MEPs I mean what I've heard from uh, my friends in, in the European Union telling me that the MEPs know that it's kind of like the last days of Rome and so they are acting much like that so they're racking up the expenses you know all the things that we hate oh, about yeah. the AU you know, they're, they're getting stuck in you know they're taking all kinds of invites all kinds of different things because they know they're not going to be around in a couple of months time and uh, it does it does feel a bit like rats leaving the sinking ship to well it does metaphors. but don't you think that overall the, arch, the overarching sense down at Westminster is that not one person agrees with one other person everybody's got a different view of how we leave or how we should leave the European Union and that's should not be the issue. But they themselves have complicated it to the extent where we now have to have all these conversations, we now have to have all these arguments, and we can't just do one thing and get on with it. The vast majority of people, Katie, and you know this, you talk to ordinary people as well, and you're not just a lofty, you know, <laughs> Westminster bubble type. The point is, is that they all just want us to get on with it. Let's get on with it and get out. They, they do want us to get on with it. And the pro I think the problem is, is that, yes, the parliamentarians have complicated it somewhat, but the general public are not faced day to day with the, the kind of questions that parliamentarians are faced with and the government's faced with. And so when you are closer to it, unfortunately, you can't just go, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, what do I care if, if a, a big car manufacturer pulls out of the UK because that's what they're threatening to do if we go for a no-deal Brexit? You have to consider all of these things. You've got to consider the availability of medicines. You know, the, the make, make oh, don't sure start that with all that rubbish. I you, mean, the point is, surely, they should be leaving leading us, not, you know, not, not kind of telling us what's terrible about they things. Are they, I, not, I, I, I've not I, I seen think, any leadership at all. I think they are trying to, but they are stuck. And I, I think that, you know, when we look back, history will not be kind to them in terms of leadership, in terms of the government. 
but will appreciate that they have been, in, in some regard, putting it in such an impossible situation. Um, and the, you know, the, the position they're in now is that they either go for Prime Minister's deal, which they feel have got grave concerns over the Northern Ireland and uh, Irish border, and some of the politicians are willing to kind of you know go over the edge on that and you know decide that they don't want to be part of the Conservative Party anymore. The Prime Minister kind of it all goes back to that horrific election campaign. If she'd won a big majority and she you know they performed better at that time, we wouldn't be in this scenario. No, that's true, but it's also their job to work out these difficult scenarios. You know, you can say uh, once. You but, you know, it's a bit like when you're working in government or if you're working in a big company, somebody makes a decision. It's then the job of those people who do that job to make sure that it works, to make sure that there's a success at the end of the conversation. Right now, you don't go back to the chief executive every five minutes and go, yeah, you know, the thing is, we can't really do this because there's so many different ways we can do. It. We don't know what to do. You just get on with it. And they are they are elected as our representatives in Parliament in order to do the will uh, that we make. And in this particular case, having been given the opportunity to vote, in a referendum to decide what the future of this nation should be. I don't understand why they can't just get on with it. But they're not performing monkeys. They do have brains of their own, believe really? it or not, some of well, them. Well, I could name a couple uh, that are, I'm sure. I'm sure you could, and I'm yeah. sure I could too. But some of them, I mean, yeah, they are, they're going with their conscience, saying, look, you know, I've got, I've got politician friends who say to me, I cannot vote for Theresa May's deal, or I don't want a no-deal Brexit, but I do want to follow the will of the people. I do want to deliver on this. And there's this kind of awful middle way they're trying to find out, which is, will end up being a fudge. I mean, what we do know about this is that Two things. First of all, the Conservative Party still ahead in the polls amongst all of this. Where the hell is Jeremy Corbyn well, he's five in terms of leadership? Back, isn't he? he's, he's just hanging back and waiting for the Conservatives to do do their worst themselves. Mm. And he needs to show leadership too, because I think that he's been woeful in his. his Listen, my behavior. my points here are not party political. My points are that they are all not doing what it says on the tin. They should all get on with their jobs. They should all understand why they have been put there. And I that's why I'm calling now for Theresa May to kick these twenty people out of the Tory Party. Let's have some by elections and see whether anybody wants to keep them in. No, I think that would be a bad move. I think we've got enough oh, volatility you know, in democracy. Democracy, suddenly. I think we've got enough volatility at the moment. You can vote them out the next election. I think that they are, you know, they're representing a number of people. Just because they don't represent your views or some of your listeners' views doesn't mean to say they're not representing lots of people. For example, there are people on Twitter in the last 24 hours saying, I voted Leave. I want to leave the European Union. Um, I'm, a, I'm a constituent of Anna Soubry's and I think she's a brilliant parliamentarian. She helped me out on this local business issue. She helped me out with this, that and the other. I just think she's fantastic and I'm happy for her to be my representative in Parliament. You know, it's not as and easy. It's not black and white. And that was put out by Anna Soubry's office, presumably. No, it wasn't. Anna Soubry doesn't, you know, doesn't really work like that. I've got a lot of time for her, even though I don't agree with all of her positions in terms of Brexit. I think we can get, we, you know, I'm, until I've always said... The EU will leave it to the last possible minute. They did it on the Greece bailouts. They, you know, they they, wrote, they said that we have budgetary limits, and then they last last month gave Macron the ability to raise their raise his uh, taxes by three percent more than the, the budget allowed. You know, or sorry, sorry spend three percent more than the budget allowed. You know, the EU, it doesn't really know what it's doing. It makes out it's this strong, amazing no. power. It's no, a I mess. Agree. I agree. They want our money. They yeah. actually want to do, do deal with us. Until that clock strikes, the 29th of March, I, you know, people telling me, I met, with, I met with senior political correspondents yesterday. I had lunch with a load of, load of um, journalists because I wanted to know what they felt, what, yeah. was going, what they were going, and what, what they was, going. And what sense did you get? We're getting closer to a no-deal scenario. They cannot find, they cannot see a way where the, go the government and the parliament will agree and therefore we will just fall off the edge in March because yeah. we're leaving the European Union and we'll just still be negotiating the week beforehand. And, we'll, and you know what? We'll have wasted so much yes. time and energy 
on the negotiation process uh, that we'll, we'll all look back and go, why did we even bother? Well, we, we should were, have just walked away. And, we went, and what we will show is that we're not at all prepared. I think that, it's, that we've got you know, overwhelming consensus in Westminster that there is no pre- real decent preparation for a no-deal Brexit. Yeah, because you can't prepare for something you don't know about. Well, you, you, you can and you can't, but the problem is, is every time you try and prepare for it, like you know, Matt Hancock buys a load of fridges to make sure, sure the medicines can be kept to the right temperature, and we all rip the hell out of him saying, you know what, you know, New Year's resolution, I'm going to buy a cheap fridge off the government when they yeah. don't need it anymore. Well, that you may know, they, well be true. I mean, let's face it, the win. government are not very good <coughs> at doing very much, to be honest. What well, they ought to be doing, however, uh, is just getting on with the job, and that's what they're not doing. Well, you know, get, say, for example, they're getting, they're, they've decided to get on with the job uh, and make sure that we have supply chains in terms of... Uh, from France uh, into the UK via other means other than Calais and Dover. So they go and stick their money into a company that doesn't even run ferries, yeah. right? H- hundreds of millions of pounds into a company that's never done this before, uh, but was persuade- persuaded the government to take a bet on them mm. because they're a British business and yeah. they're you know, a startup, whatever it might be. Um, it, it's woefully inadequate, and it will show over time, I suspect, that the due diligence wasn't not done in the way that it should have been. Uh, and so we don't have the skill set. I've always said also at the beginning, you know, the, the country's best companies, the, you know, the world CEOs, they hire the best negotiators in their businesses. Governments don't have the best negotiators. We never have because they go and earn five times as much in the private sector when, go- when companies need them to have negotiators. Yeah, well, that's fine, but that doesn't really answer any of the questions that I've got for these people because the fact that they're no good at doing their jobs is not a defence as far as I'm concerned. And if they if they really can't do their jobs, then they should hold their hands up and get hold of some people who can. But it doesn't give me confidence that we are ready to go, Mike. It doesn't give me confidence but that I don't know what you March... want to be ready for exactly. I mean, if you were in a business which you were running and you knew precisely what was coming down the road, you would prepare for it. But if you don't know what's coming down the road, what can you prepare for? Well, Nothing, you can really. make a, I think you can make a decent guess of some of the problems that you might face and what like we what? need to do about it. I don't think so because... Because, I mean, as we've been told over and over and over again, you know, nothing really is going to change. The European Union does not want us to walk away. They want our business, right? The companies in Europe that sell us goods want to keep our business. The people who fly here and work here and do all sorts of things regarding uh, business in Britain will not stop doing it. That's but what do you think a no-deal means, Mike? Well, a no-deal means that we do not have to f- figure out any kind of negotiating position. We do not have to actually promise to do anything in particular. We basically take each um, a step at a time and I think that's the best way forward because that's in the end it's going to be one sided because they don't have to either they don't have yeah, to play do. ball with us they need, more, they need us more than we need them they always have and they I, know that I, I, I think increasingly more we will be the ones that will be knocking on their door saying like, we, you know, we want to have trade with you we want to yeah, sell but you will be if you're trade. a Welsh farmer if you're a farmer in, in Wales yeah. and you're selling lamb yeah. and you're looking at 40% tariff because mm. we've, we've fallen there off the cliff and we haven't got a deal tariff. that's not going to happen why would they do that it makes no sense because they can, they can say to their citizens, well, you know what, you, know, you won't be buying that anymore because it's three times the no. price. OK, so, so, so even more reason for us to go, all right, we'll stuff you then, we'll sell it somewhere else. You know, there's always an answer. You know that as well as I do. You know, this kind of scaremongering um, that we won't be able to move, we won't be able to, uh, to talk to anybody, we won't be able to do any business with anybody, it's rubbish. But, you know, I think that if we come off with a no deal, I think we should be as optimistic as possible and we should be, you know, very, very pro-Britain, all the different things we're doing. But... If in the run-up to March, I do feel that it is fair for parliamentarians to raise their concerns. If they didn't, it would be wholly irresponsible to say, well, I was worried about that, and I really did keep me up at night, but I didn't say anything because I just did what the Prime Minister told me to do. I mean, come on, you can't, can't have it both ways. I don't want it both ways. I just want it one way. I want out, and I want out now.
All right, well, you know, we can do that. It is the independent Republic of Mike it Graham is. anyway. Absolutely. So I've already in your cut own all, little I've cut all bubble ties in South with, London, you I've, can cut I've that. I've cut all ties with the European Union. They can get stuffed, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm buying British from now Are on. Are you? Yes. I, I, I bet you'll struggle. I, trade, I bet you, you know, really, struggle. I've traded in the, uh, the Mercedes for a Jaguar, and I'm much happier, to be honest. And where are all those parts come from in your Jaguar? Where do they, I don't need parts. It's a new car. Yeah, but don't no, worry no, about no, 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 the parts that make up your new car, they come from around the world, and the supply yeah, chain, there's an eight-hour turnaround. Oh, right, and that's all going to change, is it? No, we're not going to be able to get anything from anywhere. I don't know. Call the CEO of Jaguar, but I'm telling you, he ain't very happy. Yeah, well, I mean, he should be happy because he's got a decent job, and he will still have a decent job come 2021. Listen, Kay, I've been told we've got to go uh, because you've been blathering on for too long, uh, but thank you very much indeed for giving us your perspective. Katie Perrier, former uh, chief uh, negotiator on behalf of the Prime Minister, and, of course, former uh, pre- head of press at Downing Street. She doesn't agree with me that a no deal is fine. I think it's absolutely fine. And let's sack some MPs while we're at it. These 20 rebels need to go and find a new job as far as I'm concerned. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Donna Harvey's coming up very shortly. She's checking in with us from San Diego in California, uh, where there's been a few odd stories of recent times, uh, not least the man who spent three hours licking a doorbell uh, as a family slept inside, currently being hunted by the police. They get up some weird stuff in California. Can't explain it. His name's Roberto Daniel Arroyo. Um, and we'll tell you all about that coming up. Let's go to the phones, though. Craig is in Oxford. Craig, a very good morning to you. Or good afternoon, I should say. Yeah, good. What do you want to tell me? Uh, well, look, we, we've seen this sort of behaviour from, from sport users for the last 10 years. 
but I think these, these 20 Tory MPs have just taken it to another level. I mean, I can't figure out if they've got their head in the sand or up the way backside. Yeah. Well, listen, you stay where you are because your line is awful. We'll try and get you on a better one and we'll come back to you. Let's go to Harry in Portsmouth. Hi, Harry. Oh, yeah, hello, Mike. Um, I've got a couple of names uh, who should uh, resign and, and have a by-election. Go on. Uh, I've got Amber Rudd and Sarah Wollaston. Yeah, well, Wollaston's on the list of 20 anyway, so that's that's both of us have got her. Uh, I haven't got Amber Rudd, though. Why do you want Amber Rudd to resign? She's on the list, isn't she? I uh, don't believe so, no. Oh, right. Well, uh, quickly on Amber Rudd, I think she's useless. She's MP for Hastings. She's never helped the fishermen at all. The previous Tory in the 90s, Jackie Lake, uh-huh. who did surface briefly in the referendum in one studio. Right. She bleated on about helping the fishermen down there. They've never... Get, by being, uh, you know, pro-EU, Jackie Lake and Amber Rudd, that means they can never help their local fishermen in Hastings. So we'll what? reserve her for a future list. OK, well, do you know, a lot of people have a problem with Amber Rudd as well because her brother is very active yes. in the uh, in the Remain campaign, isn't he? I'm just looking at my... I saved this page out the sun, 8th of December, Saturday. Yeah. Roland Rudd, very wealthy city businessman, and he's behind that Ref2 campaign. That's right, yeah. Which I think uh, we need a, a better register of members' interests, actually. That, that pathetic list we've got at the moment doesn't reveal enough. No, I think you're absolutely right, because they did give us some transparency after the expenses scandal, but it appears to have gone back into a slightly more, more murky situation again. But, Harry, you're quite right. Thank you very much indeed. A lot of people think that Amber Rudd has been influenced by her brother as well, particularly when she came out, I think it was just before Christmas, and suggested that she thought perhaps a second referendum uh, was the only way to solve the problem. Let's see if Craig has got a better line this time. Craig, hi. Okay, Mike. Oh, that sounds a lot better. Go on. Yeah, so I'm not sure what you caught last time. But, yeah, these 20 MPs have just taken it to another level in terms of the short-sighted and pig-headedness that we've seen from from the Eurosceptics for the last two years. And I can't tell if they've got their head in the sand up their own backsides. No, indeed. I mean, it does. Seem, I mean, luckily, what they've done is not going to be particularly meaningful by the sounds of things. But what? But they've also sort of shown their hand uh, and shown themselves to be completely unworthy, really, uh, to be part of the government. Well, surely it's void of all common sense, though. Mm. If you're in government, you need to plan for, for all eventualities. Yeah. And like it or not, one of the clear event, possible eventualities at the moment is a no deal. So why would you do anything to hinder your negotiating position or your ability to manoeuvre a no deal scenario? Mm. No, Unless quite. you're a moron. Well, also, also moron, they're not... They're not... No... They're not doing it for the sake of their electorate. They're not doing it for their constituents. I mean, you know, show me an MP who wants to stand on principle um, and I shall be heading straight for the door, to be honest, because it's not something they do very often. Well, if if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Gone are the days where politicians are regional representatives. They now think they're regional dictators. They're little Napoleons who who think they know better than everyone else. Yeah. And unfortunately, we keep making making them feel that way. Even this thing with um, was it Anna Salisbury the other day? They're going to make special privileges for yeah. politicians. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I was watching uh, watching them all this morning, going huddling in for uh, Prime Minister's questions, and they're actually they're all loving this. They're loving being at the centre of everything because for a long a lot of the time, nobody really pays much attention to MPs, but the focus is now on them, and I think most of them are really enjoying it. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I mean. Politicians are, are down there circling with the state agents and traffic wardens for me. The, you know, are really, really, I'm not endearing themselves to people. Um, 
the way that they act and the way that they behave. No, I think you're absolutely they're right. not in it for the people; they're in it for themselves. Yeah, I think everybody's seeing through it as well. Craig, thanks very much indeed for your call. Glad we got you on a better light. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000 is the number to call me on because loads of you want to get on. Loads of you will get on. We're here, of course, uh, until one o'clock when it's time for Matthew Wright uh, and Kevin O'Sullivan. Coming up a little bit later on tonight, of course, uh, the uh, omnipresent Mr. James Whale uh, will be here uh, with his show from seven o'clock. And I'm going to speak to James right now because we've been talking this morning uh, about hairstyles and about the fact that baldness is definitely coming in and coming back. And John Travolta uh, is the latest Hollywood superstar who's decided to forget about pretending he's got some hair, just shaving off what little hair he's got and and looking like the billiard ball uh, that everybody wants him to look like. Now, let's talk to James and find out whether being bald uh, is a good thing or a bad thing. James, a very, very good morning to you. Well, a very good morning to you, Mr. Graham, as well. Good to see you're talking about more serious subjects <laughs> than indulging yourself in well, Brexit. Well, indeed. I mean, there's only so much Brexit we can take, you know. So we're, we're starting... Any any other subject today starts with a B, uh, and baldness is, is the thing. Now, you've been bald for years, right? Well, I... Uh, yes, I have. I have been given the grace, if you like, of, of not having to have hair all over my head. Yeah. It is... Uh, some people say it is a religious further. I'm not sure if I would agree, but um, there is no benefit for a man to have hair. Not so for a woman. A woman obviously has to have hair. But a man, I don't have hair anywhere, in fact, on my body. I, what? I remove whatever is there. What do you or, mean? Have you, do you shave your bodily hair? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, shave, wax, Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of hard work, doesn't it? Because a man of your years will be growing hair in places that nobody knew it grew. Uh, when I get to your age, Mr Graham, I'll let you know. OK. Well, um, I, I thought you were about 10 years older than me, James. No, I think I'm more like 15 years younger. But anyway, we won't argue about yeah, that. Well, your, your, your memory's obviously going as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, uh, I did... My hair did fall out about the age of 18, and uh, although I, I do actually have quite a lot of hair, um, it takes quite a lot of work to make yeah. yourself attractive as I do, but you will see that now the style, the whale style, has taken over. It, it, was, it was a really nasty time in the 70s, 80s, when the skinhead really began yeah. to, uh, to cause people like myself a lot of embarrassment. But mm. I think now... Um, people are beginning to realise the benefits of male baldness. Yes. Women find it absolutely amazingly attractive. So, listen, I'm very popular amongst the gay community as well. Really? Well, there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah. No, not, not at all. Every, every, sort of, uh, every sort of sexual persuasion finds a bald man very attractive. And I'm thinking, Michael, yeah. that maybe I could bring my clippers in tomorrow mm. and... You could spend some time in my world. You may find it very enjoyable. Yeah, see, I, I, I quite like my hair, and uh, as long as it still grows, I'm quite happy to keep it, because apart from anything else, I couldn't be bothered shaving it every sort of couple of days. I mean, how often do you have to shave your head? Well, when I feel like it. Uh, but, I, you know, and it makes me feel good, and it takes me two minutes. I used to, before I realised I could do it myself, yeah. pay an enormous amount of money to go to one of these very expensive uh, barber shops where they 
spent an hour or so cutting it with scissors mm. and massaging it. That was quite nice. That's nice. Um, yeah, and washing it, because they do say you need to wash, even though you only have a very sort of amount of stubble, you need to use a product on it to get into the roots. Uh, because I do like a little stubble. I do like a little sandpaper feel around the uh, the back of my head. Ah. And do you know, do you use a lot of sort of product on it? Do you rub things oh, yes, into it? Yes, yes. You, this is a lot of work to look like this, you know. Uh, you never a, know it, you know. It looks it looks very natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know that's the beauty of it to make it look yeah. natural. The beard and the moustache and everything. I always think about that, Michael, as a kind of a window box for the face that needs to be trimmed, yeah. looked after, weed out some of them. I Listen, I'm not being rude, but your hair has seen better days. <laughs> well, I disagree, actually. I disagree is, entirely. It, yeah, I know, but we could put this to a vote. A we little could. length at the back. Uh-huh. Why not? Why not? Listen. If if we cut yours off, it'll grow back thicker and more lustrous. Well, my problem my problem is right that it grows uh, in different ways in different parts of my head. For example, that it's more or less stopped growing altogether at the top of my head, uh, but yeah, it grows up, it grows at the sides quite well. Yeah. Well, look, can I be can I be absolutely frank? With Please. You? I have more hair than you. If I was to let my hair grow, <laughs> if I on my People who are old enough to remember my TV show back in the 90s. No, I had nobody remembers hair. it, no. Okay, well, I had longish hair, longer than yours. Really? Yeah. And then I realised, I, I caught a shot of myself from behind. And you get, you don't see yourself from behind very often. No, no hardly I, at all. I think you would be so much more attractive, so much more appealing to people. I don't want to be any more attractive, though, James. I get myself into all sorts of trouble when I look attractive. Yeah, and no, I've heard that story yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't why don't you just go for it? I mean, we could we could ask people to donate money. We could do whatever you want. I'd like to see you with it all off. Would you? I think you've got a problem, James. To be honest. Why? Well, what do you want? Why do you want to see me change my I hairstyle? Think, I think you would feel a kind of liberal. I mean, why don't why don't you practice your your kind of uh, hair fascism on your sidekick? Who looks about as hairy as a, a beast I've ever seen? <laughs> well, um, it's his hair is is all he's. It doesn't got. look like his hair. <laughs> looks like he's borrowed it from a yak. But it, you know, his hair is his hair is his comfort blanket. Yes. I don't think you need that, do you? I don't. No, no. no. I'm, I'm 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 good in my skin. I'm quite happy. Yeah, yeah. So why not give it a go? Because it may be. A revelation to you. It might be something I mean, to do in the summer, but I'd be cold. I'm, 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 I might have to go and sit down in Westminster at College Green for a few days coming up next week. I don't want to. I, I don't want to have no hair. I have got a plethora of hats, of which I'm more than happy to lend you a couple. That's very kind. No, I reckon that you suit a hat too. Oh yeah, well I've got a very nice um, uh, Panama hat that I bought in the summer, uh, which yeah. I wear when it's sun shining. Um, but I just, you know. I, just, I, I think the worst... I mean, I would wake up in a cold sweat if I thought that my aim was to look like James Whale. No, no, you wouldn't look like me. I can't... I cannot. I couldn't I, handle it. No, I don't think you'd be that good. But it might help improve what you have at the moment. And it, Listen, isn't it worth a try? I've done hair, and I got rid of it. Yeah, but you have no you, choice now. Well, no, I have more hair than you now. If I let my hair grow, it would be longer than yours. So you keep saying, but nobody believes that. <laughs> well, it would. But the thing is, I've seen more hair on the moon. 
when you take the plunge, mm. the hair plunge, yes. you will feel so much healthier. As soon as it comes off, you feel thicker. You feel more thicker. athletic. You, you, just, you, you will be amazed how much better you feel. All right. Okay, well, listen, we can continue this another time because when the weather yeah. warms up a bit, I might take you up on your challenge. Well, d- don't let anybody else touch it but me. Okay, sweetie. All right, okay. That's all Thank I'm you. Saying, yeah. All right, see you at 7 o'clock, James. Uh, James Whale will be here at Talk Radio at 7 o'clock. Don't miss a minute of his show uh, with his hairy uh, co-host, uh, Mr Ash, uh, Asher Gould, of course. Uh, coming up a little bit later on. I'm thinking about my doorbell when you're going to ring it. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Matthew Wright coming up, of course, at one o'clock. He'll be in just before that uh, to tell us what's coming up on his show with Kevin O'Sullivan this afternoon. Uh, we are going to be speaking right now uh, to LaDonna Harvey about that very bizarre story in California uh, where a guy was found on CCTV licking a doorbell for three hours. I mean, talk about bizarre activity. I've, even I uh, was uh, slightly taken aback by that. But before we do that, uh, let's get to talk about Mr. Donald Trump, the President of the United States of America, uh, with LaDonna from KOGO radio LaDonna very good morning to you good morning to you are you sure you don't want to go back to the doorbell guy because he's way interesting he is really interesting yeah but the only thing I wanted to mention about Trump is that in all the time he's been president he's never actually addressed the nation from the Oval Office apparently uh, until now which I find a staggering situation because you know this is a guy who loves the camera yeah, he loves the camera, um, but he doesn't like competition. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, the Democrats are they're, they're going to do their they do their rebut. And it's just it's I think it's an uncomfortable situation for him. He thinks he does better one on one with the with the news media. Yes. Right. And he's wrong. Yeah. So he makes this appeal to the nation saying basically that they need uh, Congress needs to approve the five point seven billion dollars for the wall uh, because it's a a humanitarian crisis. So uh, everybody knows the one thing you do in a humanitarian crisis is build a wall. (laughs) Right. In a humanitarian crisis, that is the first thing that you do. Um, And then I don't think you do anything afterward. Uh, I think he's correct. It is a crisis. I mean, you've got people going down to Honduras and other nations and gathering up thousands of people and saying, come to the United States. It's okay. Yeah. And it's not okay. So first of all, that's on them. But once they're here, we do have to deal with it. Uh, and, and building a wall or not building a wall is not going to help us deal with, with the problem, the, the underlying problem, which are the problems in, in Central and South America. Sure. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we have the same difficulty at the moment here with migrants coming across the channel in boats, and the idea that, uh, you know, they're going to stop coming um, is not going to happen until you make it possible for them to stop coming or make it less uh, favourable for them when they get here. You know, as long as they think they're going to come and get a better right. life, they're going to keep coming. Well, yeah, and, and you know, quite frankly, do you believe that? You know, do you do you have a, a, a an issue with what they're doing? Meaning, you know, they're searching for a better life. I I understand that, um, but I would like to make their country better. Sure. So that, you know, if they and then they to, wouldn't they want to leave it there. so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely true as well. It, but, 
and we also need to make a, a better immigration system. We need workers. So these are people that we can use. Um, so why not make a pathway to citizenship for those who do want to come over and become United States citizens? Yeah. What the hell? I don't care. Well, indeed. I think America and Britain have got slightly different situations ongoing, though, because, of course, Britain is quite a relatively small island nation, whereas America has got vast swathes of land where people can go. I mean, there's not that many places to go in this country, unfortunately. Right. We have, And we have lots of places to go. Nebraska is one. Yeah. There's uh, nobody Kansas, there. There's Iowa, hardly anyone there. Um, yeah. Farmers need help. Uh, they need workers. Americans won't do the work. So, you know, let's bring them in, make them taxpayers and, and you know, stop this this shuffling game at the border where we pretend that we don't want them. But we really do want some of them. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely right. Now, tell us about this character that the police are searching for uh, in California, um, a place called Salinas, California. Not sure where that is. What on earth is that about? Well, um, it's so it's interesting. Salinas is up uh, near Monterey, so it's close to the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Uh, and this guy, these people were out of town. This guy went up to their doorbell and just licked it for three hours. Three that's incredible. Hours. I mean, I'm that's thinking, a very long time to lick anything, to be honest. <laughs> Isn't it? I know. I have people. I have people searching for him right now because I really <laughs> want to talk to him about this. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a bizarre. It's probably the most bizarre thing I think I've ever seen. I know. It's very disturbing to watch. They've got the ring cam video of this guy licking their doorbell. Apparently, he stopped long enough to go to the bathroom on their lawn. Nice. Uh, but I'm not really sure, you know, what do you what do you charge him with? Excessive, excessive licking. licking, excessive yeah. tongue. Uh, he didn't sexually assault anybody except for a doorbell. Right. And I'm not really sure that they can file charges. No, indeed. <laughs> I mean, the fact that it's caught on CCTV makes it all the more kind of chilling in a way. It's kind of sinister. I very. I mean, you know, all jokes aside, somebody who can lick a doorbell for yeah. three hours and not be phased by it, God knows what else they're capable <laughs> also, of. Also, you know, it has to, beg, like to find it, begs the, it begs the question, does it not? How would you know that you like doing that? <laughs> I don't know. I've never saw. I've never looked at a doorbell and thought, "Yeah, I'd hit that." Yeah, I, I mean, seemingly, me. seemingly, <laughs> um, he's known. He must be known to the police, right? Because they said they they identified him immediately from the camera footage. So, is he a known felon or something? Right. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a known criminal. Um, I'm not really sure what he's done. Right. But whatever it is pales compared to this. I don't know how you explain that to your jailhouse partners. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Salinas police say that say that he could face two charges for petty theft because I think he took something uh, and prowling. Well, okay, prowling, but I mean, it's pretty easy to prove that he wasn't really prowling. (laughs) He wasn't really moving, was he? (laughs) Presumably, you have to move in order to be done for prowling. One would think, you know, you would have to, like, look in a window. He wasn't even interested in that. It was all the doorbell. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely ridiculously bizarre. Well, listen, uh, LaDonna, you never know what we're going to talk about on this show. So um, I think that's probably the first and maybe the last time we ever talk about uh, this particular bizarre story. 
God, I hope so. I hope and so, like too. like I said, if I find him, I'll let you know how that works out. Yeah, no, exactly right. Now, the last time you and I spoke, we did talk a little bit about the government shutdown, and you said, you know, it's not really going to be affecting too many people. It must be affecting quite a few people now, because I keep seeing pictures of rubbish, garbage piling up all over Washington, and how you can't now go to various national parks because they're not open. You know, so, so there is now an effect being felt, isn't there? There is an effect being felt. Um, the, the national parks are filling up with garbage. Um, that's, you know, it's a problem. Uh, we've got a park out here, Joshua Tree, that people are just tearing up. And I wish they would stop that. I don't know why people feel the need to be destructive. Yeah. Um, but it's not affecting wide, you know, wide swaths of the nation. Right. It's very, it's very local uh, in nature, except the Coast Guard, which right. is a branch of the military and is not funded because it's not under Pentagon funding. It's under Homeland Security funding. Oh, okay. So that would be a bit of a worry then for a lot of people. Well, we shall see. Well, I'm coming over to uh, to go to supposedly go to Joshua Tree National Park in a few weeks. So I hope they they've opened it by then. Well, I hope that they have too. It's it's open ish. Um, but you can always come out and, and hang out at my local pub and we can talk. Yeah, we can do that too. Yeah, I'll bring a doorbell. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, LaDonna Harvey there uh, reporting in from San Diego uh, in California where all sorts of weird stuff goes on. But, you know, weirder than uh, licking a doorbell, I don't think you're ever going to find a story as weird as that anywhere uh, in the known world. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.